0: finish this series called promises in the desert this last weekend of promises in the desert that'd be a great time for you to go oh thank you so so the last four weeks we've been journeying together with the children of israel numbers chapter 11 is where where we've been i'm not going to ask you to turn there this morning we're going to turn to a couple of Different stories in Scripture, so we understand what's going on. And so, the title of today's message is "Is the Promise of Presence" or the Promise of His Presence. And so, here's what's happening to the children of Israel: They're in the desert, and we de- determined out that, that Numbers chapter 11, verse 6 is like the definition of the desert. And the definition of the desert, just a biblical definition, is this: That is the place where your strength is dried up. That is the place. That is the space or place in your life. To where you feel like your strength is dried up it's hard for you to breathe and you're in that space that is just very difficult for you and so the children of israel are in this desert experience and they refuse they refuse to worship him and so many things are working so if you have your bibles why don't you turn to me to a couple of uh uh passages um psalms chapter 95 And I don't know if your Bible's like my Bible, if you're old school, I got like two strings. So if you have two strings and you can, this is your chance to use them. And so numbers, I'm sorry, Psalm chapter 95 and Genesis chapter 28. Psalm chapter 95 is, is a Psalm that is written about this issue of worship and written about the children of Israel using them as an example of basically what not to do in other words this psalm helps us understand what worship is but at the same time it tells us at the end and we'll get to that the children of israel never really got out of the desert because they refused to worship in other words they never entered his rest in genesis chapter 28 we're going to use the story of genesis 28 of jacob jacob's in the desert he's having a desert experience himself jacob had stolen his brother's birthright esau and and was running for his life and jacob has in genesis chapter 28 jacob has the first church experience that i believe is in scripture and so there's some principles that we can pull out of jacob's life who was in the desert and he worshiped through that and god did some amazing things and then the children of israel that were in the desert and they refused to worship and they never got out this issue of worship is just a topic that's so important, especially, I believe, for the church to understand. See, the world is really not divided into two groups of people, those who worship and those who don't. We all worship. The question is, what do you worship? The question is, is do you worship something that will distort your life, that will misguide your life, or do you worship the only one that will not distort your life, that will guide you, give you peace, give you provisions, give you protection? And so, you will, it, so the question is, you're either going to worship something that will distort your life, or you're going to worship the one who will not distort your life. So the question this morning is, when you're in the desert and when you're out of the desert, what is worship? And so worship, Listen, worship is not a style. You know, so many people make worship about this issue of a style, whether it's a type of music, whether, whether it's something that goes on with a style. Worship is not a style. Worship is an attitude of a heart that is brought into the presence of God and see that's why i think some people have difficulty in worshiping because they've made it all about a song they've made it all about a style the bible says it's much deeper than that it's not up to a style we worship within our culture within our context i get that but it's an attitude of the heart that is brought into the presence of god this is why the children of israel were struggling they thought worship was about a circumstance worship was about a situation Children of Israel in the desert, and I get it, I understand, when I've been in the desert, the most dangerous thing you can do is not worship. See, the children of Israel, they made it all about a situation, a circumstance. And God is like blessing them over and over and over. And it doesn't matter what Pastor Moses says. It doesn't matter what God does. This is a rebellious group of people. and They say, you know what, we're not going to worship. And as a result, they never got out of the desert. So we're going to use Genesis chapter 28, an experience in Jacob's life, first church service. And then we're going to use Numbers chapter 20, or I'm sorry, Psalms chapter 95, and understand this issue about church, three principles that we use here at Fellowship of The Rockies about this issue of worship. And so, so the first principle is this church is a place where we become aware of his presence. Church is a place to where we become aware of his presence. Church is the place where we come in to worship and we become aware of his presence. See, this is what happened to Jacob. Jacob's running from his brother Esau, and he has this church experience. uh, uh, Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. Here's, Here's what the scripture says. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely, surely the Lord is in this place, and I... I did not even know it. In other words, all of a sudden, see, we're going to find out that, that this is going to be an encounter that Jacob has with God to where he, he makes it, his faith personal. And Jacob is like, you know what? I've come into this place and I wasn't even aware God was here. And God made me aware of his presence and I didn't even know it. And he said, and he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So church is a place where we come into the presence of God. Church is a place where there's praise and there's prayer and there's truth. There's this word and there's ministry. Church is a place to where we become aware of the presence of God. We have testimony after testimony in this place where people have walked in. And it may be their first church experience or or it may be a a church experience uh, for the first time in a very long time. And they walked into this place, and they said, you know what? There was just something different here. And I couldn't even explain it. And then something happened in worship, and I became aware of the presence of God. See, church is not just good music and good teaching. Church is an encounter with a living God. What makes church, and what makes what we do, different than any other organization in the world is the presence of God. It makes us different than than the Lions Club, and the the, the Rotary Club, and and listen, those, those organizations, they do some great things for the community. And I get that, I understand that. But what sets us apart from any organization in the world is the presence of God. Psalm 95, 1 and 2. The psalmist is writing about worship. He's writing about worship. In fact, this is the classic text about worship. And so watch this. Oh, come, let us, notice that, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into the presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. The purpose of worship is for us to come into the presence of God. To where we come before him and we come before him in community. There is something that happens when we gather. There is something that happens when we worship together. And we sense the presence of God. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of the presence of God. See, let me tell you something. Your life journaling moments, those times that you read scripture, your private worship. Private worship in your life is a preparation for corporate worship. And you, you look at scripture and you look at the temple and you find they brought their worship with them, they they they, they they'd already prepared and there's something about believers gathering, for church and singing uh, about truth and scripture together and glorifying God and and there's something that happens in that. See, it's it's not about style, it's not about our situation, it's not whether we're in the desert or out of the desert, it's not about circumstances. I Man, He is the object. of of our worship and two times in the first couple of verses in psalm 95 he kept singing let us kept saying let us make a joyful noise let us make a joyful noise and i know for some of you singing may be awkward because you can't sing right i mean you may be like me i can't even i can't even clap to the beat right pastor chad move on move on fact is one time I'm, I, I just want to say this <laughs> one time I was down here clapping and they could hear me I got the band off because I was clapping I don't know I was clapping a different beat I think one two two four something like that but I was clapping. okay we'll move on and so I I'm telling you worship can be a challenge for some of us because we can't sing but let me ask you this Can you just make a noise? Can you just get out a guttural noise? And in Israel, when they would come into the temple, it was exciting. It was exciting outside of the temple because they're coming in and they're coming in with shouts. Listen, they're bringing their worship with them. They're not expecting anybody to do anything. They don't need that. They are bringing their worship with them. And there's this community that just gathers and worship. They would shout their way into the temple. And the reason is, that it is this, is because he is the rock of our salvation. And the, the Bible teaches that our worship blesses the heart of God, which is still just hard for me to get my mind around. That I and you in worship, in the way that we worship... Can just bless the heart of God. He has hardwired worship into us. That's why everybody worships. It's a question of what are you going to worship. And what is the object of your worship. Because he is the object of our worship. He never changes. No matter how crazy this world gets. and I, You just watch the news. Our world is, world is on a tipping point. And our world is changing but no matter how crazy this world gets we can stand firmly on him he is our salvation he forgave us he gave us eternal life and once we have accepted him and he has forgiven us there is nothing that can ever change that and we come into worship and we always have joy. We always have adoration because it's not, it's not about our circumstance. It's not about our style. It's not about our preferences. It's about he is the rock of our salvation. And oh, when he says in Psalms, let us come into the presence of God, the Hebrew says it much stronger than that. The Hebrew says that this, let us come in face to face with God. That you have a face to face encounter with a living and a holy and a righteous God. That no matter how much sand you're walking through in the desert, no matter how crazy things it get, that you can stand firmly on Him. And the Scripture says that He inhabits the praises of His people. And we can come with thankful hearts because we didn't deserve what he did for us on the cross. He just did it. And we have Thanksgiving and we make a joyful noise with the songs of praise. And we worship and we have joy because of what he has done for us and we can enter into worship regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstances. I'm just telling you. When I see people. Who don't sing. Who don't worship. You know what I think. I'm like. Don't you even know. Don't you even know what he has done for you. Don't you even know. That you were once dead in your sins. And because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. You will spend eternity with him. That's why they would bring their worship into the the temple. Did did you bring your worship this morning? Did Did you come prepared for worship? Second principle is this about church. Church is a place where we become aware of his protection. Church is a place. It's not only his presence. Over and over in the Old Testament children of Israel, he just kept telling them, I'll be with you. I'll go with you. I'll, 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 I'll take care of you. But he also told them, I will provide for you. Look at Jacob's life. When Jacob was in the desert, Genesis 28, 15. And so God tells him, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. You know what he's doing? He's he's helping him to understand, not only am I gonna be with you, but I'll protect you and bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. In other words, Jacob, you can trust my promises. Because my promises, what God is saying, my promises are built are based on my character, not yours. And He's talking about this protection. See, Jacob's in the desert; he's running from his life, and and his brother Esau, who's a hunter, says, "I'm going to kill you." Now, there's one person you you don't want to have tell you that, and that's a hunter. He will hunt you down. And Jacob is in the desert. And you know what God says? God says, "Jacob, not only will my presence go with you." But with you, but Jacob, I will protect you. It reminds me of a, of a dog we had many years ago. Uh, we had this dog. It was, it was half pit and half boxer. And I mean, and, and it looked more pit than boxer. And I mean, this dog was like, it was massive. It was like ripped. You could not imagine the muscle mass of that dog. And so it's just like, it's just like massive. And, and it was brindle in color. It was a beautiful dog. It was a big dog. It scared a lot of people. And, uh, and we named this dog Baby. And so, <laughs> and so Karen, in those days when we had Baby, Baby was like her dog. Baby was very protective of Karen. Um, and, and, and so whenever, in those days when we had baby, and when the doorbell would ring, and uh, you know what, it didn't matter if I was home or not, didn't matter what hour of night it was, um, even if I was home, Karen wouldn't even call for me. Because when the door would, doorbell would go off, Karen would go to the door and baby would go right with her. And Karen would open up the door, and that dog was on point. And that dog would sit right next to her, and it was amazing things to see. And that dog would sit and lean into her and put her shoulder against Karen's leg to let her know, I'm here with you. Just amazing. And then that dog would sit there and just glare that person in the eyes. I mean, it's wonderful for solicitors. And so. <laughs> and that dog, and Karen would have that door open, and she said, may I help you? And once they saw the dog, they never looked at Karen again. They would just stare right at the dog. And the dog would stare at them. And then they would slowly just, you know, we'll just drop the literature here. And they would slowly start backing off of the porch. One, one guy really scared Karen. It came to the door. Karen told this guy, Karen says, whatever you do, do not turn and run. Baby will catch you. <laughs> Listen, Karen always felt safe and karen always felt protected with baby because she knew wherever she was baby was and baby would protect her and what god is trying to get jacob to understand what god was trying to get the children of israel to understand is guess what not only does my presence go with you but guess what so does my protection and i will protect you watch this um psalm 95:3. for the lord is a great god so they're worshiping for the lord is a great god And a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. So you know what they're doing in worship just like we did this morning. You know what they're doing? They are reminding themselves how big their God is. And how great their God is. You know what he's doing? You know what the psalmist is doing? He's taking inventory of how big his God is, how great our God is. See, they had a worldview, and their worldview of that time when this psalm was written was they had kings, and they had kings that were over people. And so that's why he says, and and so our God is above all kings. And so what they're doing is they're saying, you know who's above all? Our God. You You know who's above all? Not only our God, My God, that's who the God of the Bible, the God who we worship. I mean, he is a great God. He is a big God. And he is overall, he is, he is over my, my supervisor. He is over the president of our company. He's over the, 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 the city leaders. He is over the, the economy. He's over the president. He, our God, that's who our God is above all. I mean, have you ever? I mean, it's an amazing thing. I've been, I've been in Colorado, moved from Texas. You probably didn't realize that. I've lost my accent or working on it. And, and st- I still, it's, man, just the beauty, just the beauty of Colorado still just moves me. We didn't really have that in Texas. And watch it. You forget. I I can, like, see you. You're like, yeah, it was ugly there. No, we had beauty. It was just different. Have you ever driven past Pikes Peak when the sunrise or the sunset or the sun hits it? It's just amazing to me. Uh, The different colors of Pikes Peak. I I never knew mountains, like, had personalities and they could look different. And sometimes they look closer. Sometimes they look farther. And and just the the colors. Have you ever, ever driven past Pikes Peak and and thought about the beauty and admired the beauty and then then realized you know who formed that? My God. My God. When the heavens were empty and dark and were formless you you know who formed the world? You know who formed the mountains? My God. Our God and you know what he's above all he's above the economy he's above what's going on in the world he's above every president every leader every king every entity my God my God see the danger for you and the danger for me sometimes is when you go into the desert is what happened to like the children of Israel Jacob is a great example the children of Israel not so great Is that when you go into the desert, and God is providing for you, and God is protecting you, and because you've had a bad week, and because you're going through the desert, and because you're going through circumstances, and you may make it into church, and you think, you know what? Not worshiping today. Not singing today. I've had a bad week. I should get, you know what? I should get extra credit just for being here after the week I've had. But there's something that happens right you come into worship and then you begin hearing people proclaim back to one another and to God and say you know who's above all my God he's a great God and there's something that happens in your heart and the Holy Spirit begins making you aware of the presence of God See, church is the place where we become aware of the presence of God. Church is a place to where we have a face-to-face encounter with Him, where we come into His presence. Watch this, verse 6, Psalms 96, 95. O come, let us. So you see these, these words are plural. It's, it's talking about community, that we do this together. And bow down now he's talking about posture of worship let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand in other words there's something that happens in your heart because I don't know if you know this but we have a tendency to be very self-centered people this is when it gets awkward because we can get so self-centered that we no longer think we're self-centered anymore Because our focus is just us in advertising this whole world is geared to make you even more self-centered and so he's talking about this posture that we come in and we realize when we worship it's not all about us it's not all about our circumstance it's not all about our situation and then we bow Heart, mind, will, attitude, emotions. We bow to Him. I mean, who am I? Lord, who am I to stand before You? You're the one who formed Pike's Peak. You're the one who formed the heavens and the earth. You're the one who formed me. Who am I to stand before You? And we corporately gather, and we corporately surrender, and we corporately submit to Him. Listen, I'm telling you. If we all got a glimpse of who God is, we would all bow down. We would all submit to him. And when we worship, we're reminding each other and ourselves how great he is. And he says, he says, we're the the sheep of his hand, which is an interesting phrase. and, And I don't know about you it still really frustrates me that over and over and over in Scripture, God refers to us as sheep. He just does. I don't know if it bothers you. It bothers me. Because sheep are dumb animals. Even I would have to admit cats are smarter than sheep. (laughs) Sorry to all you cat people. You know what he's saying? He said before... uh, Holy and a righteous God. We are so dumb. We chase. We chase after things. That are temporary. That are short lived. That can be harmful. To us. And we start getting some consequences. Some warnings. And we just keep pressing into it over and over and over sheep of his hands that whole phrase that means this that means we are the sheep of his hands we're the sheep that stay close to him not like all the other sheep or some other sheep that get just as close to sin or the wolves as possible and hoping not to get eaten that we're the sheep of his hands. We don't compromise. We just stay close. See, you're either, I'm telling you, you're either worshiping things that will distort your life or you're worshiping the one that gives direction, peace, and clarity to life. Worship is when we acknowledge God and we and we can get honest with God in a worship service of God. I, I want some things right now that I'm, That I know you warned me about that I know that are bad for me and they're not good for me and I I know that I understand that but I submit my will to you I bow down to you see worship just speaks to the soul and we bow down to him it gives us a glimpse of who he is the third thing about church is this his church is a place where we become aware of his provisions. It's a place that we not only see his presence, are aware of his presence, aware of his provisions, and protection. Genesis chapter 28, verse 13. And behold, talking about Jacob, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and to your offspring. And then all of a sudden, there's a response. Listen, that's, that's why I talk about next steps so much here at Fellowship of the Rockies. Because church worship demands a response. Whether we submit to him. So we're, we're talking about next steps all the time. And so you see Jacob responds. Verse 20, watch this, Genesis twenty-eight twenty. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat, clothing to wear, provisions, so that I come again to my Father's house in peace. Then the Lord, here's transformation, we're going to understand this, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, first worship service. And all that you give me, watch this, I will give a tenth back to you. I will tithe. It's like this conversion experience. You see, the way that we know it's a conversion experience, if you go back to Genesis chapter 27, when Jacob returned to his father real quickly with the game, and and watch this, let's just read it. Genesis 27, 20. But Isaac said to his son, said to Jacob, how is it that you have found this so quickly, my son? And he answered, because the Lord... Your God granted me success. In other words, Dad, that's your faith. That's not my faith. I haven't made my faith personal. God, the Lord, your God. And now in Genesis chapter 28, all of a sudden, Jacob has this conversion experience. He enters into a relationship with God. And he understands that, God, all that I have is yours. All that I have, and so part of my worship Is not only submitting my will, but is giving back to you. Here's the interesting thing about this issue of tithing, just real quickly. Tithing is a 10%. It's it's what Jacob said. Do you realize there's some Christians that will say, well, that's Old Testament because it's part of the law. This happened 450 years prior to the law. Tithing was way before the law. Yes, it was brought into the Mosaic law under Melchizedek, and so it's brought into the Mosaic law. And so there's some Christians say, well, wait a minute. New Testament, we don't, that was a Mosaic law. That's Old Testament stuff. We don't have to abide by that because Jesus really didn't talk about it enough in the New Testament. Now, listen, we know Jesus talked about tithing. Matthew 23, 23 says, Jesus said you should tithe. And so that's in red letters. That, that'd be like enough for me. <laughs> but there's some Christians that will say, so we're tracking. They will say, you know what? Since it was because of a part of the Mosaic Law, Jesus didn't really talk about it enough in the New Testament. We're not bound by it. That's not even logical. Part of the Mosaic Law, in fact, is one of the prohibitions of the Mosaic Law, was a prohibition against bestiality. Jesus never addressed it. So does that mean it's now okay? Or do you interpret the Bible in the full context of Scripture. Let me just ask you this. If there wasn't a percentage, how would you know when you ever satisfied the requirements of God? How would you know when enough is enough? How would you know? How would you know? And so Jacob just naturally, all that I have is yours. And he worshiped him and then watch this, Genesis 28, 15. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. In other words, Jacob, you you can trust my promises. And then Psalm 95, 7. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his head today If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As at Meribah on the day of Masha, that that was in the wilderness. That's who we've been talking about. Numbers chapter 11. When your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work for 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are people who go astray in their heart. And they have not known my ways therefore I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest and so all of a sudden God gets very very direct he says here's your next step ever come into a worship service and God made your next step very very clear to you you knew what it was there's a response that's required that's why he said if you hear his voice don't harden your heart submit to him what God was saying to the children of Israel is this if worship doesn't change your life you haven't worshiped that's why why we worship and we sing God I give you I give you my life Listen. We don't come in here to worship just to make a difference in here. We come to worship to not only make a difference in here, but then to make a difference out there. Sometimes the most destructive thing that happens in Christianity is when people come in to the church and they go out and they don't live anything like a Christian in their daily lives. And God was telling the children of Israel, the reason you did not enter my rest in the desert, the reason you didn't get out of the desert, because they never got out of the desert, because you refused to worship me. You refused. And as a result, you never made it out. Only two guys did, Joshua and Caleb, because they trusted him. They trusted his promises, and they worshiped him. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me ask you this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. What is God saying to you as a result of this message? Because there's a response that's required. There's a response that is required at the end of every worship service. We see this in Genesis 28. We see this all the way through Scripture. So what is your next step? Every one of us has a next step. I have a next step. You have a next step. What is your next step? Is it maybe like Jacob? to you become, become aware of the presence of God? And he hasn't been personal to you. You've never made him your God. To where you've asked him to come into your life. And forgive you of your sins. And give you the gift of eternal life. Then that would really be your first step. Let me ask you this morning. What it, For those of you that know him and have a relationship with him, what is he asking you to do? And are you willing to submit your will to him and live for him? In purity, in your life, in dating, in marriage, in school? Maybe this morning, you'd say, you know what, I... I just have a prayer request i i need someone to pray for me i i'm walking through something and i need someone to encourage me and pray for me so we want to pray for you this morning and if you're here and you say you know i just need some prayer we would love to minister to you and pray for you so in just a few minutes after i pray we're going to stand when we stand as you stand up and you need prayer would you step out and begin making your way down to the front we'll have prayer partners down here people be walking with you Your prayer request can have something to do with what I've been talking about. You know what? It may not have anything to do with what I've been talking about. It may be just a burden that you have. We want to lift that burden. We want to minister to you. And there's something for every one of us in this room to do. Whether we're responding by coming down or we're just standing. And we're praying. We're an attitude of worship. So we want to pray for you. So if you need prayer in any area after I pray we're going to stand if you need prayer you just as you stand up you step out begin making your way down to the front father we thank you for your love and we just thank you for your grace father we just thank you for the power of your name and so father we ask that we just be aware of your presence and that every one of us would just respond appropriately to you with whatever next step you have for us so you can bless our life and we can walk with your presence, with your protection, and your provision. And Father, we just ask that people would receive prayer and that people would find comfort and support and encouragement during this time. For we ask these things in Jesus' name.